That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine The same old tingle that I feel inside Welcome to another episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer, the chapter-by-chapter discussion of the Harry Potter novels. I am Dan Rhino. Jessica Rhino. And uh, we are going to be talking about chapter two of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone called The Vanishing Glass. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have big time sound effects here on this show because we're in a, a plush uh, studio. And you got a little bit of uh, not butter beer, but a little root beer going on here. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna pretend it's butter beer. Right on. Chapter two, the vanishing glass. We jump ahead ten years. Ten years. From uh, where we left the last chapter, so that seems like another story that J.K. Rowling could write at some point. Just like all the the crap that Harry had to put up with for those those ten years, and maybe some of like the unintentional magical things that have that have happened to him over the over that period because it's kind of uh, hinted at in this chapter is that right yes uh good uh good analysis <laughs> thank you well i don't want to jump in I, yet I like, we're I like, still summing up i like how i how i try to feed you to, you know uh you know kind of set it up on the tee to kind of keep you involved in the podcast and you just give me a yes and then uh, I pause for a few seconds and then I keep talking. <laughs> I thought this was the part where you give your little summary of the chapter well, and I was letting you go with it. Sure. Uh, apparently it's been we about... We need to work on our structure. Well, we do. We need to... We, we don't have... Uh, we don't have very good chemistry after Aww. being together for 17 years. That's not good. Unfortunately. Well, it is what it is. Uh, it's been 10 years of hell, pretty much, for Harry. Uh, living <laughs> with... Uh, us? Uh, no, it's been... <laughs> I was like, uh, I wouldn't... What? It's been 17 years of, uh, of miscommunications. <laughs> Uh, it's been 10 years of hell for Harry, pretty much, uh, living with the Dursleys. Some of the difficulties that Harry's had to deal with, feel free to, to jump in. He's living in a cupboard under, under the, stairs, the stairs, right? Which I'm assuming is not comparable to the type of room that Dudley has, I would no. assume. No, I'm, I actually think later we find out he actually has two, two bedrooms. Oh, right Dudley on. gets two. Well, it makes sense that <laughs> you've got an extra bedroom. Give it to Dudley as a backup yes. in case he throws a hissy fit. Well, it's fit. like his playroom, or you know, for all of his crap, mm-hmm. toys, and and he does he does accumulate a lot of crap. We find out later on because it's Dudley's birthday. Uh, Dudley is how old now? This is ten years later. He was, he was a year old, so now he's eleven. Okay, right on. Good math. Dudley has uh, thirty-six presents on the table. And he is not happy because it's two less than last year. 37, because his mom points out a little tiny one that's hiding under yeah. a big one. So they're going to get him two more when they two go out today, so make it 39. And Which he couldn't do he the couldn't math He couldn't do on. the math because he's an idiot. But it, they described the house. We, talk, we talked about some of the difficulties Harry's had to deal with. He lives in that tiny cupboard under the stairs. One of the things that kind of struck me is they when they described the house... They said you wouldn't even have been able to tell that another boy lived there mm-hmm. because there was no pictures, there was 
no two sets of toys. There wasn't anything like that. Every It's everything for Dudley and Harry. We're just doing the bare minimum to just kind of keep him alive at this point. He gets all, well, barely. He's so skinny. And they keep sending him to bed with no meals. But um, he gets all of Dudley, Dudley's hand-me-down clothes mm-hmm. that are five sizes too big for him. Yeah, I think they said he's, like, uh, Dudley is roughly four times bigger than Harry at this point. Yeah. And uh, I imagine that he's, that Harry doesn't have birthdays, doesn't, has, probably has no, you know, uh, even concept of, of celebration uh, or anything like that, other than watching Dudley's celebrations. And uh, we, we, we find out that on Dudley's birthday, they will take him somewhere and kind of make a day out of it, and Harry never gets to go on any of those adventures he's always stuck with uh, mrs fig and her house that smells like uh cabbage cabbage that's what it was i was gonna say vinegar for some no. reason I, have a, imagine, I imagine it probably smells a little bit like vinegar too harry's glasses are taped together because he's been getting punched in the face by dudley for the last 10 years and uh you know dudley's friend uh uh what's his name P- piers pocus piers pocus and it's just dudley you name dursley <laughs> Yes. What a couple of just awful people. Like, you could tell, like, when you name a kid, you know, that, either one of those names, they're just going to, they have no no hope. They're just going to turn out to be awful people. It's, you know, it's just been a rough decade for Harry, and he's malnourished. He's smaller than the rest of the kids, you know, probably from living in that confined space has probably stunted his growth. And the, and the you know, fact that he's not getting, you know, enough protein and... And, and calcium and things like that. All things considered, you know, Harry, and maybe, you know, maybe it's because he has been so beaten down by life at this point. Maybe he's just become accepting of it, but he's not like rebellious. He's not angry. He just wants, you know, he would love it if the Dursleys would care about him. Or at this point. just leave him home alone. Yeah. He just leave him alone yeah, at just, this point. Or just let me. <laughs> he knows all their attention is going to be negative. Yeah. And when Mrs. Fig breaks her leg and can't babysit him or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, um, watch him. He's like, you could just leave me here. Mm-hmm. Like that. He never gets to go anywhere. He never gets to do anything. And this is one opportunity to go to the zoo that he's never been to. Mm-hmm. But he'd rather he he'd take just staying home and sure. having the house to himself and not having to deal with any of his relatives and for we, the day. Yeah, and we mentioned uh, Mrs. Fig is usually the she of the uh, the cabbage spelling um, homestead usually watches Harry on Dudley's birthday, which is no fun for Harry. She just uh, makes him look through old picture books of cats that she's owned or something yes. like that. But she can't do it this year. She's broken her leg. And they're, they've exhausted all their other options. Harry asks if they can leave him home alone, and they act like that's just out of the question. There's just then no he'll way. They'll blow up the house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then they'll come back. I'm not going to come back to this house, you know, trashed. And, and Harry's just little meek little Harry would never do any of that, those things on purpose. They said, well, we could take him to the zoo, dot, dot, dot. 
and leave them in the car. I'm assuming they would crack a window. Hopefully. Or something. Or maybe it's not warm where they are. But the car is newish, and they would think that he would ruin the car, too. Yeah, he'd probably chew and pee on the seats like an untrained <laughs> puppy. Now, now, the reason that I bring that up is because there has been, in the last 10 years, a bit of a history of weird things happening around Harry. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily things that he is doing on purpose, but there does seem to be some kind of aura around Harry that is causing these weird things to happen. One of the things that, that they mentioned, I wrote, I jotted down a few of them here, was uh, he always, uh, Mr. Dursley's always mentioned that Harry needs a haircut. Yes. He just lo- always looks disheveled and Every time he gets a haircut, a week later, he needs another haircut. And one time, Mrs. Dursley got so upset that she took kitchen shears and just shaved him bald other than his front bangs to cover up his ugly, uh, scar. His ugly scar. And, you know, she, was, she took uh, pride in the fact that he would have to go to school the next day and get picked on. And she, she, that made her happy, you know, to a certain extent. And boy, was she upset the next morning when she when he woke up and he had a full head of hair again. Do you think at this point that Mrs. Dursley, but you know, just judging by that, I haven't even gotten to the other things. Do you? She knows of Harry's mom and dad's magical background. Do you think that she realizes that's what's going on here? Yeah, I'm sure they both do, because that's why he like threatens him and says, you know no funny business, you're not going to do anything, you're not going to mess this up. Even though they're telling him not to do these things, even though they haven't explained to him Mm -hmm. that he is doing it, they're blaming him, but he doesn't understand Mm -hmm. that it is him that's doing it, and it's just another part of his life that's unfair. They have these expectations. They don't want to tell him and explain it to him to where he could, like, maybe get a grip on it and control it. They expect him not to do it, even though he doesn't have any clue that he's doing it. Sure. Uh, there was another incident of uh, Harry was being chased uh, by some bullies at school. Dudley and his gang. Dudley. Oh, Dudley. Dudley and his crew. That's yeah. who it was. And he, he, he says that I just tried to jump behind some trash cans, and I guess a gust of wind <laughs> when I was mid well, leap. He is really thin. He is very thin. And he's thin. wearing like a parachute clothing. <laughs> so it's so like a it's like, like a flat a sailboat. It's like a, a flat or a, something. A flat Stanley situation <laughs> where he's just uh, he 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 just uh, threw his arms out and his body uh, his flexible body just was taken by the wind and he ended up on the roof of the school. Yeah, sitting on the chimney. And he got in trouble, of course, because students are not supposed to be just. Climbing the building. Chilling on the roof of the school after climbing the building. I'd yell at our kids if they were doing it. Not that Harry would have any of the required upper body strength to be able to scale uh, the side of a a school building. (laughs) I mean, just to me, you know, Harry just thinking, man, I just just jumped. And then the next thing, I mean, I get it was windy that day. I remember it was windy. And all of a sudden I was on the chimney. I don't know how I got up there. There was another situation where uh, Mrs. Dursley was trying to put a uh, ugly sweater with like big orange pom pom things on it mm-hmm. yep. on uh, Harry's head, and it should have been way big because it was a a Dudley hand me down, yes. a Dudley down, 
as she's pushing it over his head, Harry's head, the whole thing, the whole thing is getting, and the whole thing gets smaller and smaller to where she can't even fit it over his head, and it eventually is the size of. Like I think they said you could put it on a puppet or yeah, something like that. Yeah, on a puppet. She's just saying, well, I guess it's shrunk in the wash. But she had she had to know, right? Yeah, but she does. She won't acknowledge it. She's just denial, denial. denial. But what the thing that was weird about that is when he got in trouble for the school thing, for being on the the school roof, he got in trouble for the haircut thing. He didn't get it. He was surprised because he didn't get in trouble for this one. He, but she had to have known that it was some kind of magical. Yes, but that one like happened like it, the way it was described. It literally had to have happened right in front of her. Yeah. So m- maybe she was just freaked out enough, or she wanted to brush it under the rug quickly. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's too much in the wash. I gotta go. Bye. Before he could kind of put it together and be like, no, it, it was just ginormous. How did, you know, before he could ask yeah. questions, because he's not allowed to ask questions. If How did that happen? Yeah. How, why, wasn't it, no, Aunt Petunia was just big 30 seconds ago, and now it's too small, I don't understand, and she, I think she just wanted to escape yeah. the situation. If she wouldn't have been, I, I guess that makes sense, like if she wouldn't have been there, like if she would have laid the clothes out for him, and then come and, back, and, and, back and, and she was like, what did you do to the You sweater? put it in the wash yeah. and you shrank it, or something, yeah. you know, I gotcha. she would have had a way to blame I him. Gotcha. But I gotcha. See, that's why, that's why, uh, that's why you're here, to, to guide me through things like that. That. Um, but they 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 eventually decide Harry's promising not to do anything. Weird stuffs you know happening around them. We got Piers Polkis coming over, and they did finally decide that they have no other choice. Despite Dudley's uh, temper tantrum, I don't want him to go today. <laughs> and we we as uh, working in education, we see our fair share of fake crying. Oh yeah, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, they decide that they got to take Harry to the zoo with them. On the way to the zoo, I think it's worth mentioning that we've got these unintentional magical things that have been happening to Harry. And they're put, I'm assuming there's many more examples of what's happened over the last 10 years. But Harry himself is even kind of having these visions of things that may have happened in the past. Because we get the we get uh, just a, a couple sentences worth here where they mention the scar on his forehead again and he asks his aunt about it. Mrs. Dursley just mentions that you got it in a car crash, your parents were in the car, they're dead, that's how you got it, you lived, don't ask any questions about it. Yes. And it, it's mentioned later in the chapter that he has visions about that and he remembers a green light, and he remembers a pain on his forehead, but he doesn't necessarily remember being in a car. But I guess that pain on my forehead could have been from a car accident, but I don't remember being in a car, but I do remember the pain. He also, on the way to the zoo, just mentions that, hey, I had a dream about a flying motorcycle. And maybe it wasn't as much of a dream as it was like a memory or a vision of when Hagrid brought him to uh, to live on Privet Drive. Is that kind of the what, what you got well, out of that? Yeah, I think more, not a vision so much. I'm sure it was a dream, but it was also probably a half memory. I mean, you gotta figure he doesn't have a lot of good memories mm-hmm. to draw on when he's asleep and dreaming. So, yeah, I think it was like a half memory. He remembers 
motorcycle and flying, and so then he just put it together into his own dream. So it's it yeah it's kind of uh, you know it's deep in his subconscious yeah. somewhere. And he apparently has a lot of time to reflect when he's locked in his cupboard. Yeah, and we don't we don't even know maybe if you know the fact that Harry does have this magical background maybe you know people in the wizarding community are able to draw on their subconscious more vividly than than muggles. Uh, you know, there could be something to that as well. But we go to the we go to the zoo, and it's actually the great, pretty, pretty much the greatest day that Harry's had you know, ever. You know, by uh, that he can remember just by default, just by accidental circumstances. You know, uh, Mrs. Frigg can't take care of Harry, so he gets to go. We can't leave him in the car because he's gonna mess stuff up. He, <laughs> they, they get. Uh, they get like uh, chocolate uh, uh, popsicle ice cream, ice cream yeah. or something like that for uh, Dudley and Piers. The person who's selling the ice cream just kind of asks, and what would you like, little boy? And I guess the Dursleys don't want to look like horrible. They don't pe- look like horrible people. Yeah, they don't. They, they want to keep up. They want to keep up appearances. Yeah. They end up giving them like a lemon, like a lemon drop. Something. Freeze, like, yeah. like around lemon. Yeah, ice probably popsicle. it's probably like when the when the ice cream man comes and you want to get you know like the Ninja Turtle pop with like the bubble the bubblegum eyes, but you know you only got fifty cents, so you got to get like you know plain yeah just like one the plain. stick popsicle <laughs> yeah. But to him, and this it was is just like, lemon. Lemon yeah. was the only flavor apparently. But to, to him, the this is like flavor. amazing. Yeah. yeah, this is it like wasn't amazing. Bad. Yeah, it's and. Um, Later on, uh, Dudley, of course, needs more ice cream. Yeah. And so he was, uh, he eats some of it and is disappointed because the the toppings or the, the second scoop or something, there was only one scoop and it was supposed to be two scoops or something like that. So he they go, uh, the parents go and buy him a, a fresh one that's larger than the first. And Harry gets to finish Dudley's, Dudley's leftover hand-me-down ice cream, which sounds... Disgusting. disgusting but to harry it's it's awesome it's amazing this is like the, the great day. the greatest day ever and and dudley and and uh, peers are are bored by the animals and and harry doesn't get to get out he never gets to get out this is like the greatest thing ever for him i'm surprised i mean i know they have to keep up appearances that they even fed him at the zoo yeah because i was thinking back to my childhood days at the zoo eating at the zoo is expensive it is it is. It's for people that I'm, are hashtag blessed. We have a great zoo here. It's free to get in, mm-hmm. but the food is expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you want to ride the train? You know, I know we had to go expensive. with grandma or grandpa yeah. in order to go into the restaurant and get the food. Yeah, shout out to grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Take, take care of you. Would you go with mom and dad? Nope. It was you. You starved until we hit Taco Bell on the way home. And ours, then you had our, to share a soda. Ours was always like bring your bring like peanut butter and jelly and <laughs> hike and, back out to yeah, the car. Yeah, eat that in the in the park. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't eat in the park. Yeah, eat, or eat it in uh, in the not in the zoo, but in Forest yeah, Park in Forest somewhere park. here in yeah, uh, here in St. Louis. But yeah, St. Louis. You know, shout out to St. Louis Zoo, sponsor of the Broomsticks and Butter Beer podcast. <laughs> Harry is uh, you know having a great day, and then we get to the reptile house. Of course, uh, Dudley wants to see the snake. The and biggest. He, he wants to see the biggest and the ones Most that could. Most dangerous. Yeah. Not, not the little garden snakes that I'm <laughs> scared of. No. He wants to see the big, you know, uh, scary ones. And he wants them to do something. He wants them to not just, like, sit there. So, of course, he gets his dad to bang on the glass like a moron and like a horrible zoo patron. 
there's there's a lot of those out there. Yeah, but like, but a dad should know better. But he'll he, do, he he'll do it just to make his horrible son happy. And uh, the snake doesn't doesn't do anything. They walk away. And then Harry comes up and he stares at the snake, snake, and he could have swore that the snake winked at him. Well, he was sympathizing with the snake. Mm-hmm. It was all like supposedly internal, but yeah, right. He it was, was all like, non- nonverbal, right? That yeah. Okay. Although later he does say stuff mm-hmm. that he didn't realize he said out loud, so mm-hmm. maybe this is one of those times. It doesn't say that, but it just seems weird that the snake was like kind of reading his mind yeah and that's not something that falls in line with anything later in the book sure so maybe he did accidentally he's just mumbling it under his breath or something yeah just uh, unconsciously yeah you know feeling sorry for the snake and comparing the snake's life to his he even says the snake's life is worse than his Mm -hmm. so he's not too down on self-pity and he really, he really he's, isn't. You know, he's not. He just. He's just kind of rolling with he it. He does roll with it really well. <laughs> he does. Uh, so, you know, yeah, he thinks the snake is. He feels sorry for the snake. And so that's why I also kind of think it was maybe mumbled more out loud because he's feeling bad for the snake. But this is a pretty significant moment in all seven books. It's kind of, when you think about it, it's it could be, you know, just seen as. A throwaway chapter but the the fact that he is able to somehow communicate with the snake will come up in a big way later, later on later, la- later in the book I mean all the way t- to the very end and you have to give her props for that because either she thought of it and lined it up that mm-hmm. way or she just really lucked into that situation mm-hmm. I think it had to have been a conscious decision I mean because it that worked it out would it would be a it, snake it, yeah it was the synergy between this chapter and seven books later was too perfect. It had to have been, you know, because this, you know, this, the fact him communicating, Harry communicating with snakes comes up at so many pivotal points in future books, not just with Voldemort, but at in, you know, pivotal points in in other book in other books before Voldemort even shows up. Uh, so we've got the, uh, the we got a little wink back and forth between Harry and the the snake, and then Harry kind of has a you know whether it is we're led to believe that it is not a verbal conversation, but in the movie version was there actual so the yeah, snake's like mouths actually moving and things no, like that or no, Harry's talking okay and the snake's just nodding or shaking his head and pointing the things. And pointing. And, the sign and this but the snake doesn't actually at say the very anything. end okay he, he says thanks or whatever thanks <laughs> okay I, I, I vaguely remember that we've got you know harry is you know kind of asking where are you from you know just making small talk with this snake <laughs> and the snake uh you know kind of just points at the the little information thing next to him like you know just it's right there bro just take a look at it oh you're from brazil have you ever been to brazil and he the snake points at the, the and Jess is making snake motions right now. <laughs> snake pointing with her head, which is great for radio. Which uh-huh. is, it's it's uh, physical actions are great for an audio podcast. Yes. So I I'm I'm totally the, on board with that. The listeners love it. Yeah, there's a whole back and forth between between uh, the snake and Harry and you know the snake. No, I've never been to Brazil because I've uh, was born in captivity. 
I was born in captivity. <laughs> I'm trying to sound like Cobra Commander. <laughs> Which is like, what he's are, not Snake what either. Are, like, he's, eh, he's Cobra Commander. I know, but he's a, still a person, not a snake. I think at one point he got turned into a snake. But it might have been, just been temporary. Harry thinks this is really cool. Like, that the snake's actually, like, you know, showing some personality. Pierce says, Dudley, Mr. Dursley, come and look at this snake. You won't believe what it's doing. Everybody comes over. Of course, Harry gets knocked to the ground um, by, uh, assumingly, Piers and, and Dudley. And Dudley and Piers get right up on the glass. Mm-hmm. Or at least where the glass used to be. Because the name of the chapter comes into full play here as the glass uh, all of a sudden is gone. It has vanished. Chaos ensues as the snake uh, slithers out of its uh, confinement and assumingly out the door of the uh, reptile house and on its way to Brazil, <laughs> I'm assuming, because uh, they got great beaches down there. So, um, I don't know how he's going to get to Brazil. I'm assuming by bus. Um, he's got to get on a plane at some point. Ooh, snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. That's a good idea. <laughs> they should make a movie out of they, that. At least a story, if not a, a major motion picture. Mm-hmm. I think that could be, uh, I think there's some money there. I guess he could go by boat. But... Yeah, he could, I mean, he could slither his way onto a bus to the airport and slither his way onto He's a giant snake. He said he could wrap his, Harry said he could wrap around the car twice. Yeah. And crush it like a tin, like a trash can. Mm. That's a pretty big snake. And he's not going anywhere fast. I'm surprised that somebody just didn't get back here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that how the, uh, the, the zoo? Hey, get Keep back here! Snake. Get back! Hey, here. get back! And the snake's like, "All right, you got me." Got me. So the um, the uh, the glass is gone. Another weird thing happening in the presence of Mr. Harry Potter, and of course, <laughs> Harry gets punished mm-hmm. for this and sent to the cupboard with uh, no meal. But Piers is the one who points out that. After everything calms down, he swears that he saw Harry talking to the, to the snake. At the end of this chapter, you know, we've got Harry just kind of, you know, sitting by himself in the cupboard with going over some random memories. You know, he's just just randomly thinking about, you know, uh, the, the uh, burning pain in, a, in his forehead and in, in that vision or that dream that he had. Was it really a car crash that I was in? I don't remember being in a car with my parents. I remember a green light, and the car crash makes the forehead thing sound plausible, but it doesn't explain the the blinding green light. And you know, he dreamed of other family taking him away someday. He has these these thoughts of these over the years of these random strangers in the street coming up to him and, and shaking his hand, and coming up to him and <laughs> wave or the lady on the bus waving to him. And I, the weirdest one, some people, random people bowing to him. Yeah. <laughs> good sir, how are you this good morn? And and then when he turns around, they're they're gone. You know, they they've seemingly vanished. So there's lots of hints of weird magical stuff in this chapter. It's it's not even within Harry's realm of of comprehension that he could think that maybe I'm magic. Maybe magic exists. Maybe I'm doing these things. No, he, he's, he's lived with the Dursleys for all of the life that he can remember. They have made his life as 
boring and plain and as normal as physically and mentally possible. Normal in a very sad way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not like a normal childhood, but, yes, but normal in the way that we're going to do the bare minimum to keep you breathing <laughs> and go to school and come home and get, you know, the bare minimum amount of walking <laughs> around, uh, you know, to school and back, assumingly. And then back in the cupboard, it's it's not even, you know, something that he can comprehend that, that he would even, uh, you know, be the cause of, of any of these things. You know, the next chapter is when I'm thinking when he first becomes aware of that. And uh, we'll talk about that uh, next time. But, you know, just kind of like the overall thoughts about this chapter, what really stands out to you. We talked about how this, the snake thing, the interaction with the snake, is something that definitely is very important in this chapter. You, If this was the first time reading it, you probably would not realize the importance of it other than you would think oh maybe he's like dr doolittle he can talk to all animals what else they kind of jumped out at you in this chapter this something that we kind of people kind of make fun of but don't really grasp or they grasp but they ignore he just how mistreated he is Mm -hmm. i mean when you sit there and plot out all the points it's really depressing how mistreated he was and bullied and yeah, it's, it's kind of like a little Cinderella story, too, because he's got to do the cooking and, and Better whatever. not burn that bacon on Dudley's birthday. Yeah. And Dud, her, uh, Harry's, uh, when Dudley's complaining about his his amount of presents, Harry's trying to choke down as much bacon as he can because he knows Dudley's going to throw a fit and, like, throw everything on the floor. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's almost like, like kids that have experienced, like, homelessness and they will, like, hoard things you know, that was like an example of, oh, I, I better eat this food like while it's in front of me because, you know, God forbid it gets thrown on the floor and I'm sure they'll make Dudley like a fresh pack of bacon, but this I'll is my, oppor- this is my opportunity, and... you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very... And who knows when then he's going to get in trouble for something he didn't do and go without a couple of meals. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's obviously been, you know, from the time he was uh, a small child, he's been through a lot of trauma and it's not to the point where he's getting, he's been attacked by like evil sorcerers in the last 10 years, but it's, it has not been a good uh, decade for Mr. Potter, but things, things will start looking up, I think in the next couple chapters as we'll start to get uh, on the road to, uh, you know, Harry being aware of, of more uh, his place in the, in, in the wizarding world. Uh, as far as the, uh, before we wrap up, as far as the chapter that you read versus the movie, were there any significant differences or were there any significant things that you think, oh, they nailed that, like just, just like I've envisioned it in the book? Well, there's no friend. Okay. What's his name? Piers? Piers. Polkis. Polkis. He does not exist in the movies. And in the movies, Harry makes the glass disappear and then reappear after Dudley falls in. So then he is trapped in the oh, snake. I forgot about that enclosure, and the snake is out. I forgot about that. And they can't get Dudley out. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy's screaming. Dudley, Mommy. Dudley. <laughs> What's her little nickname? Dudleykins. Dudleykins. <laughs> I don't think that's what she called him in the book. She's got a nickname for him in the book too, but in the movies, it I just think makes it's me Dudley angry. Kins. Like every time she like babies him, because I, I just envision. 
this, having him as a student or just having him around me at the grocery store <laughs> in general just having him live in the same neighborhood as me <laughs> you know any of those things i'm just uh jk rowling if she she wanted you to to hate this kid she does a really good job of it she wanted you to you know get across the point that these are horrible uh parental figures for Harry, she she did a good job of it. Uh, what else uh, about the um, other than the uh, the reptile house scene? Anything else uh, significant movie wise? That no, that's pretty much the scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he does have the birthday scene where he, you know he's getting you know they say get up and Dudley's jumping on the stairs and the dirt's like falling down on Harry's yeah. little mattress. He's in a bed in the movies. It's just yeah. like a little mattress on the floor. And um, then he's cooking the bacon. I think he even says he needs a haircut in the movie. And then the counting of the presents, but then they pretty much just jump. And now the ceremonial counting of the presents. And the following tantrum. (laughs) And the tantrum that will follow as one of our dogs destroys a... uh, a, a, pl- a plastic bottle that uh, I'm sure will show up very audibly on uh, <laughs> on the the podcast. Yeah. I mean, a uh, lot of lot of setup in this chapter, um, and it and it you know kind of had to be to jump ahead ten years. That's a significant uh, jump. I think in the Bible it jumps ahead like twelve years. So I guess it's not as not as significant of a jump as as that. But I enjoyed the chapter. I mean, just overall, you know, thoughts of it, it was pretty, um, you know, not a, not a long read to get through, but they, there was a lot of stuff happening, and I was able to, I did kind of envision St. Louis Zoo in my head when they were, when they were at the zoo. Yeah. I couldn't help, and I, I envisioned, like, the actual reptile house at the St. Louis Zoo, yeah. like, the exact place where it was at, so um, I didn't let the, the movie stray me too far there. I guess that's it. Anything else you want to add? No, I think we covered it. Well, this has been uh, Broomsticks and Butterbeer. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Rhino. You can follow her on Twitter at Jess Rhino. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll be back with our next episode as we talk about Chapter 3 as we work our way through Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But until then, thanks for listening. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you next time. Me. Mm-hmm.